And he, he really is. He truly is. Do you believe that this morning, church? Amen. He is the truth and the life. There is no question. I was talking with a friend of mine this week, and we were talking about momentum in our faith and in the things we were doing. And, and he said, it seems like I've lost momentum. And, um, and I'm going, really? And he said, yes. And I said, well, I don't know if that I have. So I wanted to argue, but then I looked over the last few months and I had to agree with him. There, the sense of urgency that I often have about the Gospel was missing. It seemed life got in the way of the Gospel message. What about you? Is this true for you? Has it gotten in the way of the Gospel message for you? Have things gotten caught up, if you will, or things in your way in your life where, oh yes, Jesus is great, but you know, got to live. You ever thought that? What does this have to do with today? A lot. Now I have a question for you. Do you still think that faith's goal is about you and a relationship with Jesus Christ? We've talked about it before. I just want to check to see what, where you stand on that right now because it's really important. If you believe the goal of faith is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then we need to talk. Yes, that's part of it. But more of it is, is it's building a relationship with others so that you can build a relationship with Jesus Christ for them. And you have to do that by acts of service. You can't just go, well, I'm going to pray for them and you know be their friend and let my life be an example. You have to have acts of service and word and deed as well. You can't just do one or the other. In the early church, this relationship building was called the way. There was even a Bible translation in the 70s called the way. Now, the way was something they did as a communication to find out if it was safe to talk to someone or not. Back in the early church, they had little things they would do to communicate with one another that they were believers. And if the other person didn't know the secret code or language, then they would not share more because it would be dangerous. For example, someone would say to uh, another person that they met, do you know the way? And the other person would say, the way where? They wouldn't mention more about it. They would say something like, uh, to the market. If they said, yes, I know the way, then they would know that they were talking about Jesus. The way. Jesus is the way. That's where they got it from because Jesus said, I am the way. They didn't say, do you know the life? Do you know the truth? They asked, do you know the way? However, nowadays when we hear Jesus say, I am the way, we hear of it as a means to get somewhere. We focus things on the end. The early church realized that the end is the way. It's not a way to get somewhere. It is something. We lose urgency in our faith when we think that Jesus got us somewhere rather than Him being the somewhere. Does that make sense? 
Jesus isn't getting us from life or death into life from here into heaven, and that's the way He's got us the way into heaven. That's not what it's talking about. And He didn't ever intend that. He said that He is the way. Not a way somewhere. That who He is is a living way. Now we want to make that way be like a path or a journey or an access point. And that's not what He was talking about. You see, Jesus said in John 14.6 that we just heard from Hubert that we can only get to the Father through Jesus. We go to the Father through Jesus. There's a to and a through there, right? We're going to the Father through Jesus. There are two steps. Most of us go to the to part, but they don't go to the through part. Where are you at? Are you through or are you to? Did you come to Jesus, come to know Him, or did you come through Him? Now that almost well, that doesn't make any sense. It's because we don't understand what He means by the way. This morning we're going to talk about that. Now I must tell you this, that when Jesus says that He is the way to the Father, that nobody can come to the Father except through Him, it also says in, in other Gospels in several places that the Holy Spirit draws us to Jesus, to the Father. That God draws us to Himself. And, and that's important to note because you can try all you want, and I've tried for years to get to God. But I couldn't get there. Of myself, I cannot get to God. Does that make sense? You can't get there from here. God has to do the work to get you from where you are to His presence. There is a way that that happens. There is a method. There's a process. And what we want to think about when we come to the faith is we want to make it a fast food Christianity. Do you know what I mean by that? You know, say the prayer, repent, feel sorry for your sins, and boom. There you go. I got eternity. I'm done. I got all I wanted from Jesus. That's enough. That's what I wanted. That all right. I had it my way, but I didn't have it the way. Yep. Amen. <laughs> Let me say something about Jesus to you this morning, and I think you can agree with these. If Jesus is an option for you, then He's nothing at all. If He isn't, if He isn't your heart's desire, then He's not your desire at all. If you see a lost soul and it doesn't rip you up inside, then Jesus isn't there having you love them with His love to rip you up inside. These are things from God that are part of the relationship that comes after the prayer. If you think you have what you need in Jesus and that it's enough, you haven't really known Him yet. Not saying Jesus isn't enough. I'm saying that you have all you need and you don't need more. Or that you have all of God that you will ever need right now. If you consider a prayer and a moment of a sorrow for your sins as your depth of faith, you missed faith entirely. 
If you think you do enough for Jesus to love you, to give you mercy and grace and salvation, you don't know what grace is all about yet. If you think that redemption and the life of faith is all about the cross and Calvary, then you haven't experienced resurrection or newness of life, as Romans 6.4 says, that we walk in. Then you haven't experienced the new creation. You just said a prayer as the old creation and hope that was enough. This morning, I want you to know, Jesus said, I am the way. It could have been said this way. I am a way. But He didn't mean that. He could have said, there are other ways, but I am the best way. But He didn't say that. He didn't say, I am the pathway. I am a walkway. I am a doorway. No, He didn't say that. He said, I am the way. The way means a way of life. Live like I do. This is the way to live, not the way to get somewhere. The journey is the Jesus, not the end. Jesus is our journey. He walks with us. You see, God's grace found us when we were blind, but could not see. And God gave us sight. Amazing Grace even says, I once was lost, but I'm found. You cannot find yourself. Now you might say, oh yes I can, I look in the mirror and there I am. It's not what we're talking about. Or if you're out in the woods and you've gone so far and you don't know where you're going and you're so lost, you go, well I can find myself here, I am, I'm lost. But you can't find yourself to save yourself in that situation if you're hopelessly lost. There is nothing you can do for yourself. Grace says that I am lost and I got no hope within myself to save me. I cannot give vision to myself. But grace says God can. And Jesus says, that's the only way you can. Here's the worst part about it though. A lot of believers don't think they're still stuck. They think once they've come into the life of salvation experience with Jesus Christ, they've got all they need. They're not stuck anymore. They've got heaven. That's it. Jesus didn't say that. Being lost and found, being blind and now seen is the first half of the Gospel. That is the to Jesus part of the Gospel. And some stop there, and I encourage you never to stop there, because you'll wind up with a halfway Christianity. Halfway Christianity. If there is such a thing. If faith is only about your salvation, it, is it a halfway faulty theology? No. You're a halfway Christian. It's not about theology. It's about being a child of God in relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not about theology. 
It's not about what you think. It's about who you are, who you belong to, and how you live. It's the way, a way of life. The way to true life. We're missing the whole Gospel without 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. And I think when you see this, you'll go, yeah, this is the will of God. Your sanctification. It's true, God calls sinners to repentance, but He calls believers unto entire sanctification. To become holy as God is holy. And this is the work of God's Holy Spirit in you. It's God's work. You cannot holify yourself. Well, I'm acting holy now, so I'm holy. No, you can't act holy. You're either holy or you're not. And the reason I dedicated this table today to sanctify it for the work of God is that it knows and we know His purpose is to glorify God alone. There is no other purpose for it. It is sanctified now for the work of God. A believer is the same way. Anointed and sanctified for the work of God. You're not a table though. So you have some choices in the matter. However, I hope and pray that your choices are to go on to entire sanctification and not just be satisfied with justification. In Ephesians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul talks about this second half of the Gospel. And I I want you to see this. This is really good. Paul says, um, and this is just talking about what his task was, that he has a dispensation. I love that word, dispensation. It's, it sounds fancy, but what it really means is a dispensing. Like a dispenser. You got a soap dispenser, you're pumping it soap out. This dispensation, God is dispensing grace of God. It was given to me, says Paul, for you. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. That's really good. God gave me grace. No, that's not what Paul says. He gave it to me for you. You get that? The grace I was lost but now found, it's for you now, not for me. The second half of the Gospel is where the grace of God upon you goes to the people around you. Don't stop at yourself, in other words. So Paul says that, and that is the second half of the Gospel. It goes along with the seventh verse in that chapter where Paul says, of this grace I became a minister. Paul is attacking the church. And God's grace gave him the ability to become a minister according to the gift of grace of God given to me by the effective working of His power. And now what he's simply saying is God's grace made me be a minister to the church I was persecuting. Do you think He chose that? Or you think he had an encounter with Jesus Christ that transformed him, and he said, use me for however you want. And he made him a minister. It's the second half of the Gospel. We begin to minister God's mercy, grace, and service to the world around us. Oh, wait a minute. I thought it was just about getting saved. (laughs) Except believe and confess. You know, that's all I wanted. What did I sign up for? Let's add a D to the ABCs of salvation. Die to self. Mm. 
E. Energize your life for the Gospel. F. Find someone to say it. G. Give grace. I'm just making these up off the top of my head. Use your own. H. Heaven is accessible right now. I. Not I, but Him. J. Even Jonathan can do it. <laughs> Jesus does it through us. Amen? Amen? So that's what I'm talking about. The second half is what we're about. That's the through Jesus. Through Jesus to being Jesus to the world. We become Him to the world around us and therefore we are now representative of the way to get to God. We are not the way. Let me tell you the difference between first half Christian, which is halfway, and second half Christian, which is going on to sanctification. The first half is all about being justified. Forgiven of sins, justified. The second half is the sanctification. Going on to be of service and of use to the kingdom of God and not just of use to yourself. The first half is about John 3.16. God so loved the world, what? He gave His only begotten Son. Y'all not able to quote this with me? That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Right? Everlasting life. This is the Gospel message for redemption. That is first half Christianity. First half of the Gospel. The second half is 1 John. The Epistle of John 3.16. And what does it say? Well, let's say it together. It's on the screen. By this we know love. Because He laid down His life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. There's 3.16 of John and the second half in one verse. He laid down His life for us, so we lay down our lives for others. He's the way, then we become the way too. Not we're going to a place through the way, we become it. Jesus is talking about Himself not a way to get somewhere. So, the first half of the Gospel is the new birth. I am a new creation in Christ. The second half is I become fully mature in the Gospel of Jesus Christ as a mature believer. The first half of the Gospel, and many of us do this, is baptism by water. Second half, not too many of us do this, is baptism by fire or by the Holy Spirit. Now a lot of folks say, Pastor, I'd like to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Give me that fire. Did you even know that was possible? Amen. Did you know that? There are some denominations that know this very well, but United Methodist Church in the old days really knew what that meant. They call it second blessing holiness. They call it the fullness of the gospel. They call it the deepening call of God on your life. But it's the baptism by fire, the Holy Spirit. You know, I've had this church used to be all about that. When they stopped, the church started slowing down in its rows and basically started going backward. Do you know that's available? Do you know that God can put a fire in you by His Holy Spirit that cleanses out the impurities? The chaff, the junk. I'm not saying you have any junk in your life, but I promise you, God can find it. 
I'm not saying I know what it is. The first half of the Gospel is I am loved by God. And that really feels good. To know that you're really loved no matter what you've done and failed and made mistakes and God says, my grace is enough for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. I love you. To get that hug from God and be wrapped in His arms, that's awesome! It is the most liberating thing you can ever feel whenever God does that for you. It changes who you are. But it doesn't change if you don't go to the second half of the Gospel. And the second half is that I'm becoming the love of God. I am the one now offering that same love and unconditional forgiveness to those around me. That I'm doing the work of God. When Jesus said this, He was saying, I am God and I'm doing God's work. So you say that to someone right now, they'll call you a narcissist. Yeah. Unless it's actually true that you've had a face-to-face encounter or encountered Jesus Christ and that Holy Spirit's alive and you know you're one with Him. Amen. And you know that that work in you really is God's work. I'm one with God. I'm doing His work. I'm not saying it because I'm so good I can do God's work, but because I know God's working through me. And I'm so thankful for that. The first half of the Gospel says God's grace is for the sake of ourselves. I'm sorry, preacher. <laughs> I know, Mom. It's the, it's the devil. <laughs> well, he's calling everybody to tell him to wake up. I'll delete that from the text. (laughs) He should know I'm in church. That shows he's not. (laughs) That's right. You just have to pray harder for him. Amen. Um, So the first half of the Gospel, when you go halfway, it's God's grace for the sake of ourselves. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. It saved just a miserable wretch like me. Uh It's a great, great thing. Not knocking that. But it's not all the way. That's amazing grace. The second is God gives us grace for the sake of others and that's astonishing grace. That God can extend to others the same grace He showed me through me. God can do that for you through me? Really? That's that's incredible grace. That I become a messenger of the same thing that got me into Jesus. I become the ability of God to reconcile the world unto Himself. And isn't that amazing that He says that we do that in Second Corinthians chapter 5? That we become the ambassadors of God. And then the other thing, the last one I want to share with you about the first half is this. We say this, God saved me from my sin. He took me out of my Egypt. He took me from the place of bondage. He set me free. That's the first half. And it is such a powerful message to a person who who needs to know that, that they're not hopeless where they're lost and stuck. And when that freedom comes, you know God delivered you from that and nobody else could have. But that's only halfway there. 
To be fully mature is to go to the second half. It says, God, I want You to take that Egypt out of me. All the bondage I still face, all those things that still hold me back that are not true of me anymore, but I still have that residue. God, take that out of me. I want to be mature in You, Jesus Christ. Burn that chaff and junk out of me by Your Holy Spirit. Take Egypt out of me. That's the second work of grace. The first one is to get us out of bondage. The second one is to get the bondage out of us. That there would be no shame and reproach in any part of who we are. You see, we must press into the second half of the Gospel to steward grace of God for those who haven't yet entered the first half. Every now and then, a verse jumps out at me and I go, well, I've read that lots of times, but I must have had the wrong context. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, Jesus sends out the twelve disciples to go out and preach. He tells them, don't take a bag, bread, no money, um, but wear sandals and don't put on two cloaks. Uh, wherever you go, stay there and um, instruct anyone who will hear you. And if they don't receive, you shake the dust off your feet. You may have heard this passage. And he said, that you go do this now. And so, in verse 12, in Mark 6, it says this, So they went out and preached that people should repent. Huh. Does it not sound like they are now doing the Gospel work which Jesus Christ also did? John the Baptist preached a ministry of repentance. Jesus Christ came and said, Repent and believe the Gospel for the Kingdom of God is at hand. And now the disciples are going and doing the repent message. Now I thought, you know, that when they went out there, that they were doing all these great miracles, but the first thing they did was faithful to the message of repentance that they had received. They began to speak what Jesus spoke to them. They were modeling the way to live as Jesus lived. And then they did this. They cast out many demons, anointed with oil many who were sick, and healed them. All the things that they saw Jesus doing, now they were doing. This is before the dispensation of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. It's early on before He sends out the 70 when He only has 12 of these guys. Judas! Iscariot! The money bag guy! Went out and preached the Gospel of repentance and cast out demons and healed the sick. Judas did that. And we know what happened to Judas. He went backwards because of the cares of the world and the lust and the draw of money. He got pulled backward, didn't he? He didn't go on to maturity. He thought things of this world were more important. And the Egypt never left him. You know, it does say right before Jesus, Judas died that he repented and then hung himself. So my question for you is, are you stewarding the grace of God given to you to others? 
Or are you halfway? And it's still all about you and your relationship with Jesus and everything's fine for you. If everything's fine for you and not for everybody else, there's a problem in this equation. Is you haven't got the heart of God for others, which means the heart of God hasn't been fully matured in you. And today I'm going to ask that God lights a fire in us, either again or for the first time, to light the fire of the power of the Holy Spirit, that we would go on to fullness of salvation, no longer repenting of dead works, but going on to maturity in the faith. From repentance to justification to complete and entire sanctification. I'm asking God to do what Timothy was asked, that the gift be stirred up in us, in you, and God has placed a gift in each of us by which we each can lead many to a relationship with Jesus Christ. We each can lead many with the gift God's put in us if we let it be stirred up and matured for Christ as we mature. In 1 Peter 3.15, we find that Peter has stuck on this same theme. He says, Sanctify the Lord God in your heart. And always be ready to give a defense to anyone who ever asks you a reason for the hope that's in you. Always be ready to tell people why you have hope. It's not because you prayed. It's because Jesus gave His life for you. You came to the cross and He brought you through the cross into a relationship with Jesus Christ and now you live out the Gospel. Because the Holy Spirit within you dwelling there does the work. You can't do it. You can't sanctify the Lord in your heart unless you've been sanctified by God. Simply put, Jesus is all the way or He's no way at all. Halfway Christianity doesn't exist. Some people say, but, 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 but church membership then matters. It matters to the church. It matters to people who need those kind of records. But if you have no relationship with Jesus Christ, your church membership is not going to help you a whole lot. Well, I, I joined the church. Okay. And what did you do after that? Well, you know, I, uh, I went to the Christmas program. Uh, I, uh, I prayed for people. Uh, I prayed sometimes at meals. Uh, but God's going to say, well, what does this have to do with me? Well, you know, God, I, I saw, I helped, you know, on the telephone, and I helped with, uh, you know, I, I gave somebody to a guy on the street, one time guy's going to go, but what does this have to do with me? Mm-hmm. Where is the hunger inside for God's living presence in us? Amen. Where's that desire that we burn with the fire that Jesus exuded with the glory of God shining from His face? Where is that magnetism of the Holy Spirit within us that says this is truly the only way for me? I can't put anything in front of Jesus and say I'm living the way all the way. I can say I'm halfway. But God doesn't want me halfway. He calls us to entire sanctification. 
Some of us are going, that's a new word, holiness, sanctification, I don't even, how do I do that? You don't. God does it. And God's job is to make you like His Son. And He'll refine you. He'll prepare you. He'll burn off the chaff. Much like smelting gold. You know how that works? Smelting gold? They take raw nuggets and put them on a hot flame. I promise you the hot flame, if the the gold is put directly into it, it would destroy it. Mm -hmm. They put it in a cauldron. And they heat it up to several thousand degrees and the gold melts and all the junk that's in it starts to rise to the surface. Mm-hmm. And then they skim that off and they pour it into little bars and they look at it and they uh, take those bars and they put them back in the cauldron and then heat it back up again and some more impurities come up to the top and they skim them off. And they keep skimming it off until the reflection in the gold is of the one looking at it. God is the one who purifies us. He turns up the heat in our lives to get the junk out. Let me tell you something. When is the most difficult time in faith? When things are falling apart, right? When things are a mess. God, I'm struggling. I need your help. God's going, I'm turning the heat up to burn the junk. I'm showing you where you're weak in your faith where you don't have trust, where you need purified. God, I, I, I did that thing again that you told me not to do. You know, I know it's a sin and I keep doing it. I don't know why. And God says, I'm showing you the consequence of this. More sin is more sin. And more sin than the wages is death. I'm trying to burn that body. Yet. Just what I'm trying to do. And God says, are you willing today to acknowledge that halfway is not enough? Are you willing to acknowledge that unless the fire of God is burning in you and the compassion and love within you pours out in service and kindness to those around you, that you haven't got there yet? Are you willing to acknowledge that before God today and say, God, do the work in me. Finish the job of sanctification in me. I don't want to see anything go halfway. I don't want to go halfway. Mm-hmm. And when I started working on this this week, it was working on me heavy. Let me tell you something that's the truth. A lot of people say to me, and they say this to Billy Graham too, he was a good man, you know, in the same way out here as he was at home. Let me tell you something, only Billy Graham knows his thoughts. That's right. And nobody else can know his thought life and his secrets that he kept. Maybe he had none by the time he turned 99. I don't know. But I will tell you this. It doesn't matter how much people say this is a good preacher and all this. I still know my thought life and that God is not yet done with me. There's still some Egypt in there that He needs to burn out. And so this message was for me and given a grace of sensation. So I can share with you. Mm-hmm. That's the second half. You don't have to be perfect. Just willing. This question is this morning. Are you willing? Would you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, 
And you began to show me this halfway Christianity and halfway to the gospel, and you showed me the second half. I said, God, I'm just so far from that. People would say, I do a lot for you, but Heavenly Father, I know what I don't do. And there's not one of us who can say we're 100% totally sold out for you because we still become self-focused, self-centered. want what we want, our emotions run us, and all those things, rather than the love of your kingdom and love of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, entrenched in a human cloak we have, a treasure. And Heavenly Father, I'm asking you to burn out the junk that isn't the treasure. In me, in each person here, that we would truly be the light of God in this world. Heavenly Father, this world is dying for someone to live for you. <coughs> may it be us, and may it start here and go forward. This is my prayer. Amen.